You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. I am really excited about this. I'm going to try to be chill and not overwhelm all of you. But this was a dream I had like last year, trying to figure out how we get a a panel of people to talk about discipleship and where that fits into the busy schedule, et cetera, and then got the idea to do it for Rooted, and then talking to my husband, got the idea to do it co-ed with lots of people. So that's you guys. Thank you for being here. If you don't already know, Rooted is a monthly women's gathering that the village hosts once a month. I said that. Um, where we talk about different topics that are found woven throughout the scriptures in order that we would get a better understanding of the bigger picture of the Bible as well as just really practice applying the scriptures in our lives so that it's not just a head knowledge, but it's something that truly transforms the way that we live. So that's what we're normally doing once a month on this night. In the past two months, Rooted has been talking about the topic of discipleship, as I'm sure you figured out. Uh, in March, we talked about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, and on your paper in front of you, um, there's kind of a recap of what that was. And then last month, we talked about what it looks like to disciple other people, but really based on um, kind of just a study of what is discipling. So we said in March that a disciple is someone who, a disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus, and that to follow Jesus means to believe him, to act on that belief, and then to glorify God through those actions. And then last month we said discipling others is to mature them toward Christ, and that means that we initiate, we influence, and then we persevere through those relationships. So tonight we get to just talk about really practical logistics. So we're going to talk about schedules. We're going to talk about who you disciple. We're going to talk about what do you do when it gets hard. And we're really just going to kind of bring it down to a really basic level. So I have some questions prepared for these lovely people that have agreed to be here tonight, and then at the end we'll open it up to questions that you all have. After you hear from them, there's some space on your papers. I'm really bad with the mic. Sorry. Um, If you want to jot down notes or write down questions you have, there will be time at the end to ask those. I will introduce these people in just a moment. Let me see what I forgot to say. Oh, why are we co-ed? I mean, Rooted will go back to being a women's-only gathering next month, but really the value of tonight is immense. The, I mean, discipleship is a whole church topic. It's something that we, that the entire church is called to do. And I think we have a lot to learn from each other as men and women and what that looks like. And so while we cannot possibly represent everybody on the stage tonight, my hope is that regardless of gender, something that someone says up here resonates with you and you might, um, you know, feel it might be something that makes sense to you in terms of your own life stage or what you do during the day, regardless of if it's your same gender or not. So that's why we're doing this co-ed. We have a lot to learn from each other, and I'm immensely grateful to the four of you. Beth Vandenberg was also going to be here tonight. She's okay, but was in an accident last night, got rear-ended, and her neck is really bugging her, so she sadly is not able to be here, and she was really bummed about it. So what now? Oh, yeah, I'm going to quote Scott because I like to do that. My hope tonight is that not just you would get to know these people and, you know, hear a nice conversation, but that you would really be motivated and encouraged to go forward in your own life, stumbling forward. That's what I like to quote Scott as saying, and taking the next step. So whether you're already discipling people, whether you have no idea what that even looks like, that you would be inspired to take the next step in your own life and to really figure out what it looks like to be obedient to the call to make disciples. So I'm going to ask um, the people on stage to introduce yourself. So tell us what your name is and tell us kind of what a typical day looks like for you so people know what you do during the day. (laughs) 
Um, Adam, my name's Adam. Typical day right now is up probably on a good night, at least twice out of bed between him and our girls, up uh, anywhere from 4.30 to 7.30, depending on the morning and who I'm going to meet with uh, or if I'm going to work out. Uh, work from 8 till 5, usually work, eat at my desk or go eat with people. Um, just a great job. Got a good job. I like it a lot. Travel a little bit. Come home. Beth is really heavily involved with Young Life, and so she has something where she leaves uh, two or three nights a week. So I have the kids two or three nights a week to allow her to go do that. Uh, in bed anywhere from 9.30 to 11.30, depending on the night. Uh, my name is Scott, and um, I work here at the village. And so my day arises. Uh, we don't usually wake up in the middle of the night anymore, usually. Um, but it usually starts with a screaming kid under the door, <laughs> a kid coming in our room and bugging me at, at some point in the morning. Um, yeah, and then from there, I mean, the day, my day looks different. I feel like every day of every, there's no, like, typical day <laughs> usually for me and my job. But somewhere in there, usually it encompasses uh, meeting with someone. Like, tomorrow I'm meeting with, like, I, like six or seven people. <laughs> but that's abnormal. Uh, it, but today I met with, like, just Matt and Michael, and that was it. And so, um, yeah, my job is just is different in that regard. But usually I'm gone, like, from... You know, take the kids to school, come back home between 5.30 and usually closer to 6 um, every night. And then, uh, yeah, evenings are filled with either group or we have monthly meetups with different people or whatever, Kel and I individually. And, um, yeah, and then just kind of carving out Friday is my day off. And so we hang out together as a family. It's family day. Um, and the weekend is just a crapshoot as to what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's what a, a normal kind of day for me looks like. Um, by and large so yeah hi I'm Katie um I wake up to my alarm clock <laughs> no children what's that um what's that like it's, <laughs> it's great um usually pretty early like in the five fifteen area and I read and then go to work I work at a school um and run like a behavior program so I hang out with kids that don't behave which is why they're with me <laughs> um so that is draining and like discipleship <laughs> but in a different context um so that's my first half of the day and then I come home and um my evenings are split between uh going to Lebanon because we're a part of the church plant and so we're driving there now probably like three or four times a week and then, and sometimes that's like meeting with people or community group or whatever. Um, and then we also, or I lead a small group of college seniors. They're about to graduate next week, this weekend, um, at Miami. And so I've actually, this is our fourth year together, and that's 11 uh, seniors. So I meet with two or three of them. Um, weekly on Tuesdays typically and then lead Bible study on Thursdays and probably see them at some other point throughout the month for various things but that's a typical day.
do this. <laughs> you just have to hold it close to your mouth. Okay. So I'm Ruthie. Um, I have seven children. They're not little anymore like Kelly's. Um, my oldest is going to get married in August. Um, I have three in college now. And the great part about where we live, we're close to a hospital. We're cl you can have your baby. And we're close to Miami where you can send them to college. <laughs> so um, as a result, though, having three kids in college, nobody has moved out. So that is the different set of circumstances. And I love my kids, and it's great. But that um, time slot of there being time when nobody's home and it can be quiet is, is kind of interrupted now because i got kids in and out all day, which is wonderful. Um, so my alarm goes off 5.50, which is I'm sleeping in now a little more because everybody does their own breakfast, except I still feel compelled to make breakfast for the two youngest, and they're totally able. Um, and then they're out the door by 7.15. Um, so it, it does get quiet, and I usually read um, and then start my chores. Um, head up to Middletown to pick my kids up at the end of their school day. Um, and then bring them home. Sometimes there are lessons or running somebody to work. So it, it too, is not the same every day, but it's all good. So, As per my usual, I forgot to pray. Usually Beth reminds me of that. I'm going to backtrack us. I want to say, first of all, I love these four people so much. Um, interact with these some more than others. I live with one of them. Um, but I'm just for real grateful that we get to learn from you all tonight. Let me pray, because as we talked about in March, we cannot, and I think I already said this, we can't follow someone that we are not abiding in or closely, we can't, we can't lead anyone else to Jesus if we're not following him ourselves, and so I'm going to re, I'm going to fix my bad example already, because this will do nothing if we are not um, centering this on Jesus, so God, thank you so much for these people that have thought it worthwhile to be here tonight, thank you for this panel of men and women who are willing to be slightly vulnerable and share their experiences with us. God, would you just stir our hearts tonight? Um, I pray that everybody here would just be motivated and encouraged, no matter what their life looks like, to leave here tonight wanting to join you in your work of building your kingdom, making new disciples of people who don't know you yet, God, and then helping those who do know you to grow in their faith in a way that they would love you more, be more effective in the work that you have for them, and then turn around and make more disciples so that the kingdom continues to grow. So would you just use us tonight, God, um, help me to be clear in my questions and uh, speak through our panel, and um, we love you, and thanks for letting us do this. Amen. All right, so there is no order. Whoever wants to talk first can talk first. Am I using this right? You can hear me? All right. So we're going to start by, um, I'm going to ask you in your own words, what is discipleship? You're allowed to have different answers. There is no right answer here. And then what role would you say discipleship has played in your life personally? <laughs> what is discipleship? Um, Tell us in your mic, please. In case we're oh, recording. Sorry. <laughs> I forget. Yeah. I think it's just um, living your life with another um, and um, to look at Jesus as the example of one who discipled. Um, I don't know, just sharing, 
leading, um, teaching, listening, watching, and just being open to another life and wanting to be involved. They're going to have such better answers than that. That was great. Is there a part B? What role has it played in your life? Um, Just to think back to people who discipled me and those were the early seeds that um, grew my faith. So, and I'm sure that you have somebody in mind when you hear that who um, fostered your faith at first. And I automatically think of, um, I gotta get the names right, I had them in my head. Um, Eunice and Lois. Do you know who that they are? Timothy's mother and grandmother. So he was the first um, second generation Christian in the New Testament. And, you know, discipled by his mom and his grandma. So you don't have to be a PhD. You can be a mom. You're dead. Thank you. Uh, I'll say discipleship is just is the process of becoming like Jesus, and I think we do that through through fellowship with Him and through fellowship with other people, um, as well. It's it's it is about like in some ways studying and learning and knowing about God and yourself and all those things, um, but we can do all of that stuff and still miss Him. And so I think that the intimacy and Vulnerability and relationship that we have with the Lord is the most important thing. If like what that process looks like um, doesn't lead us to actually Jesus Himself, um, then we, we kind of miss out on the point or whatever. And yeah, I mean to Ruthie's point, um, you don't have to be a scholar or a PhD or anything at all in order to do that. Um, God calls us all and equips us all, and, and that's the reason that He made us was. To invite other people into doing that together, so it's not um, one person, you know, always has to be the one leading someone else into something. But it's it's really more of a mutual, hey, like following Jesus together. Um, really, is kind of the way that that I see it. So, what role has it played in your life? Oh yeah. Um, so, uh, at, on the receiving end, I think there were two guys um, early in my life. I didn't become a Christian until I was twenty. Um, but there was a, a guy who was kind of like my second dad in college who he didn't even, he didn't really explicitly disciple me like in the scriptures or even like spiritually in a particular way, but he was still, he was, I was learning from him and I was following him and he, I was letting him shape my life and vulnerable with him and all those things. And so he was discipling me, um, in some way. And, uh, and he led me through like just mourning the passing of my grandpa and leading through as we were dating and engaged and all that stuff what's it look like for me to leave and leave my parents um more difficult than you think it might be uh and and to cleave to her instead um and so just all of those things like he he was the one that when I was being an idiot Kelly would call him and (laughs) he would call me and then I would put down the phone and not answer it (laughs) and call him back the next day um but yeah like that was uh, formative for me like just in those years of transition and maturing and growing up he was really formative for that to hold a mirror up to my life, and and not just to not to make me feel bad or guilty or sh- but to like 
to say you can be different you know like there's an opportunity here for you to grow um yeah and and showing and mimicking the love of the father that he had for me like i tell a story of of that time when i didn't pick up the phone and then called him back i was terrified like the next day because i he knew i knew that he knew that i dodged him (laughs) and and the first thing he said when uh when he picked up the phone on the other end was scotty i love you um and that just immediately melted like all of the fear and all of the all that stuff that i had um yeah so those relations like that relationship was uh helpful for me um and then youth pastor, uh, when, I think it was after we graduated, um, who kind of, I didn't even know he was doing that, but discipling me at the time as well, just inviting me into stuff that he was doing, um, leadership stuff. Uh, yeah, and so really just kind of transitioning into adulthood and what it looked like for me to stand on my two feet and all of that, super formative for me in those years. Um, and then on the other end, uh, it's just been super rewarding and fun to just to be a part of that process. And I, I think... For the last few years, I've, I've always had someone that I'm investing in in some way, um, and those are just really rich experiences for me. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm being faithful to what God has called me to do, not as a pastor, but just as a, as a disciple of him. I don't feel like I'm being faithful to that if I'm not, if I'm not meeting up with someone uh, or a small group of people on a regular basis and, like, investing and pouring my life into them, so... Okay. Um, Like Scott said, I think, like, discipleship, if being a disciple is following Jesus, then discipleship is just doing that with other people, I guess, Um, learning how to follow Jesus together. Um, And the role that it's played, I think for me, um, like, all throughout different seasons of my life, there's been different people in that role of discipler to me. And I think they they really modeled for me, like, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus in this next stage. And so, like, when I was in college, I met with a girl who was newly married and working, and I learned, like, okay, so this is what it looks like to follow Jesus when you work a full-time job and are newly married and, you know, trying, like, the way she talked about her husband and, like, welcomed me into their home, that taught me a lot for when I was going through that. And then, you know, like, you know other people that have kids, and you learn from them, like, okay, so maybe this is what it can look like to follow Jesus when you have kids. And, yeah, I think that that's probably the role it's played. And similarly, like, having relationships where I'm discipling other people just really is very, um, like, keeps me honest in my time with the Lord of, like, if I'm going to be leading other people, then... I really have to, like, be worthy of that, (laughs) you know, not worthy, but, like, I have to make sure that I'm, like, not leading them to myself or to something else other than Christ, and so I have to be leading myself to him first, so, yeah. I don't have much to add to that. That was really good. Uh, I think that discipleship... um, Sometimes it's like you're just spending tons of time in the Word and doing exegetical stuff and, like, teaching someone how to read their Bible. And the season that I'm, I'm in right now, I meet with uh, three guys individually, and they're all in their early 20s. And, like, it, it, was, it was, they all need to know right now that the way that they enjoy the Lord and the way the Lord enjoys them is when they're just themselves. 
and this this weird common thing that I've never kind of had. Usually it's like one guy's got dad issues we're working on. One guy is like a baby Christian, doesn't know how to do anything. And one guy, I'm like, I don't know why you want to meet with me. I just want to meet with you. So <laughs> so that's what discipleships look like with these three guys right now. It's just like getting to that core of, man, God made you just how he wants you. And it seems like every week that's what it comes to. Um, when I was 19 and met Jesus, uh, I got placed on a Young Life team with this man who, his name, he was adopted by Russian immigrants. His name was Nikolai Anatolievich Lutov, and like he fits the name. Did you guys? Know, did you guys know Koya? This is a true story. Yeah, you know, you know Koya, Ruthie. Yeah, went to Green Hills High School, and within. So I, I become his friend, and four months prior, he lost both his parents. And one month prior, his daughters, twin daughters were born, and one had a stroke when she was born. She survived. But it was like, this is the worst year of his life, and now I get this amazing man who I just feel like, gosh, and his wife was incredible too. Like Coyle would say, anytime I was struggling with something, he would just ask me two questions. Like for years he did this. He still does this when I see him. He says, who... Who are you and who is God? And where are you mixed up and not believing that right now? And I never had a man, like, I remember he asked me one day, he's like, what's your relationship like with your dad? And I was like, I don't even know how to think about that. I'm going to need a day to think about that and get back to you. Like, he asked these questions that were just so deep. But those two, I still carry with me today. I'm like, if I'm struggling, I'm like, okay, who's God? Who am I? Um... <laughs> And then I'd be having a bad day, and his wife would swoop in, and she'd be like, why don't you just go lay behind the couch on the floor? I'm going to make you some nachos. <laughs> I got your back. And I'm like, oh, this woman knows Jesus. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like that's something Beth would do for you too, right? <laughs> Thank you guys for those answers. Um, so this next question I've asked each of you individually to be here because I know that this is something you're doing and have been doing for a long time, and I'm counting on the fact that it looks different for each of you and probably has looked different at different points in your lives. And so I just think there's a lot of value um, for the rest of us to hear maybe about any of any one of those relationships. So our next question is, um, I'm going to ask you to tell us about one or it could be more than one of the discipleship relationships you've been a part of. In my mind, I'm kind of thinking of you discipling someone else, but you can answer as you think would be helpful. So I want to know, how did it start? When did you meet? What did you do with your time together? Um, and if there's more than one you want to mention, what did they have in common and what kind of changes based on the person that is across the table from you? Or the metaphorical table? It doesn't have to be a table. Does that question make sense? It's like five questions. <laughs> so tell us about a discipleship relationship that you've been a part of and what it looked like. I can't read your handwriting. <laughs> it's really good handwriting. It's all cursive. I'll, I'll go ahead. Thanks. Um, so one of the guys I meet with right now, I work with him. He's 23, and we were just, we talked at work and quickly realized we both are Christians, and he just asked me, he said, hey, I'm not meeting with anybody older. Uh can we meet? And so we, he works part-time, he's in school a little bit, so we, um, that was a year ago, 
and our time originally looked like we would go to there's this great bible study by tim keller that goes through mark and it's based on the king's cross book so we do that at either lunch or at mcdonald's before lunch before work um in middletown um what do they have in common and what changes based on the other person like what do he and i have in common no so like if you think about different if you've met with different people clearly Mm -hmm. you have um, what is consistent throughout your discipleship relationships, and then what would you say changes based on the person that you're meeting with? Yeah, so in common is <clears throat> this guy, he is very unsure of himself, and I think that everybody's unsure of themselves. And so that's very common, I mean, with anybody to be like, I don't have anything. I don't have anything worth saying to you right now. You know what I mean? Like, we're all, it's a weird thing. But that's common for everybody. Uh, Changes for him was he definitely had these um, different dad issues. Like, he'd never hugged his dad. But his parents are married, and he said they have a healthy relationship. And so every time I meet with him, like, hey, did you hug your dad? And he's like, oh, I tried. I, like, side-hugged him. I was like, ah, I don't. How'd it go? He's like, oh, my dad thought it was weird. (laughs) And so if you can imagine, I mean, I, 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 I still hug my dad, and I don't know what your experience is, but to think, like, that intimate piece is missing in a weird way that I don't know how to relate to, of, like, man, you don't, you don't hug your dad? Like, what is that? I don't know. What's, the, what's, what's behind that that is fleshing out with him of the implications of my dad doesn't hug me means... I have no physical intimacy with anybody. You know, like, a healthy high-five is awkward with this guy. You know what I mean? So, that's different. Thanks. Thanks. I thought you were ready to go. I can go. Okay. Yeah, so, I would say uh, one of the things, and you kind of hinted at this, earlier um man like our time together might look like might look different from person to person but part of it is always trying to help that person understand who they are and help them understand who the lord is um and and bring those things together you know like smush those things together um in a way that that you know asking them so what you know we learn this about god we learn this about yourself this is where you're at this is who you are. This is how you're feeling about something. This is what you believe. This is what the Lord seems to say about that. Uh, and that can happen through really informal conversations. That can happen on the phone. can happen running into somebody at, you know, wherever. Um, or that can happen in the midst of, like, an exegetical Bible study, you know. Um, but I think those two elements, uh, three elements, who God is, who we are, and then so what. Um, those three things always being a part of those times together. And so... There are dudes somebody meet with now that like he he loves to know what to expect, and so we are going through a book, um, and we know what pages we're reading and what we're talking about and all that. Um, and and there are dudes I met with who like I, I literally don't know if they're even coming that day. Um, so I just tell them this this was a, a college student you know if you could imagine such a thing um, you know so I would show up to Miami once a week uh, Miami Hamilton's campus I. We'll go there every week um, for weeks and weeks and uh, be like, I don't know if he's coming or not, but dude, I'm going to be there. So if you have 
five minutes. Sometimes he showed up for five minutes. Sometimes he didn't come at all. Sometimes he came like early and we hung out for 45 minutes, you know, before class. Um, so like people just are in different seasons and just being okay with that. Um, but at the end of the day, like just wanting to be present with them and, and helping them wherever they are, whatever their personality, like just learning about who they are, who God is and how those things come together. So, yeah. I would say there's always an element of, of getting to know them, and so just kind of formal, informal conversation, but then usually there is something that we are wanting to talk about as well. We may not get to it, um, but there's usually that element to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say, like, for most of the people I've met with, this is like jumping ahead, but part of what I'll do at the beginning is have them like kind of share their story and talk about like areas of temptation for them. And so I typically have like five things that I know to ask about. Like how, like you said, how's your relationship with your dad? But obviously it's different for every person. But like how has this specific thing been recently? Which I guess would be bordering on accountability, but that's what, that's part of the time. And then I also, um, in college, was involved in a ministry for teenagers with special needs, and so I discipled a few students through that, which looks different. You're not going to, like, sit and read for an hour straight with most of those individuals. So that was a lot of, like, shared experiences and maybe, like, serving together, which I would definitely recommend in any discipleship um, relationship, but... Specifically with um, my friend Lena, that looked like a lot of... We actually like went to go serve for a weekend at a Young Life camp together. And um, it was just a lot of like doing things side by side and, and talking about the Lord in those experiences more so than like, let's read these chapters and talk about these questions. So obviously, like based on the person, it's going to look different and even regardless of disability. I mean, that is like with each individual person. Sometimes it might be a little more flexible, like you can change where you're going to meet and, you know, they'll they'll text me sometime during the week and we'll figure out when that's going to happen. And then for other people, it is more structured, like this time, this place, this is what we're going to talk about. So. Um. I guess presently, I, I meet with four of my daughters, and um, one long time, she's married now, but I've known her since she was in high school, and I um, discipled her in high school. She was part of a small group that my husband and I led, so now she's in the Sunday school class with me and my daughters, and also my mom. So that is a very broad um, ra- range of ages, and I love that. Um, just because you have, you know, where in the Bible did everybody meet together and they were the same, you know? That's just not, that's not real life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love having different ages. And then on Wednesday nights, I meet with high school girls. Um, Usually we're all together, um, boys and girls, at the beginning of the evening, and then we split off guys, girls. Um, I would just say that the core of both of those experiences is the word of God, that that is what keeps us grounded and 
what I believe I have to keep going back to, um, that it's good to share what's going on in your life. Um, but if you don't bring it back and put it under the word of God, you know, we can get together and have lunch with girlfriends, but the time that you meet together for the purpose of being in the word and applying it to your life is, is critical. So I, I don't know. Where that's I perfect. Went. And thank you for bringing up your daughters too. Cause I don't, think that's such an important thing for any of us who are parents in the room or for anyone who will be a parent at some point in time, we could pour our lives out to everyone under the sun and neglect our own kids. And that would be just a tragedy. So I'm trying to remember that for myself as my kids are getting to the age where I could do some of that, but I want to be intentional with them too. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, so now I want to ask you all, what are some barriers to discipleship either currently for you or maybe previously in your life at some point in time, this could, this answer could really be anywhere. It could be like an emotional barrier. It could be a personality thing. It could be an actual scheduling thing. It could be anything. So what are just, um, what comes to mind in terms of barriers to discipleship for you now or previously, and then how have you overcome that already if you have, or how are you? trying to overcome it if it's a current barrier. <laughs> so when we had Charlotte, our, our uh, second daughter, I was meeting with a guy who goes to this church, and it like got so inconsistent. I was getting my master's, working like 65 hours a week. Uh, new baby. Um and it was like our schedules kept clashing. What we were trying to get through, neither of us would do. I would cancel half the time and be like, I just can't even function today. <laughs> I can't do this. And so that uh, that was the first time where I was like, I can't just like m- muscle through this thing. Like this is not going to work. And it got to the point where he had to tell me it's not going to work, and that was really hard. Uh, but it was also really good because now, um, you know, life's different type of busy and like the dude we'll call him Jake that I was talking about with the dad like his brake line broke and I never knew how to fix a brake line he said can I bring it over we can try to fix it I was like sure and like the amount of connection time over the next 20 hours we spent it wasn't 20 <laughs> two days to fix it was like way I mean you know that would have taken years to get that just meeting once a week or whatever so it's cool to just remember, like, okay, this is life. Like, break lines break. You got to fix that stuff. And at one point, um, we pressurized the brake line, and it, it burst, and I'm underneath the car, and a gallon of gas got on me, like, like exploded. Like, my shorts were wet. My face was wet. And I'm like, this is really vulnerable right now. <laughs> As in, like, if, you know, I'm covered in gasoline underneath the car. And in that moment, I'm, like, laughing, uh, and I, like, just not thinking. I was like, man. I guess God wants us to be real risky. This is, this kind of sucks all of a sudden. <laughs> and, like, later on he told me, he was like, yeah, it was just good to, like, he was reflecting on stuff. He said, you know, sometimes when he meets with people or talks to people about Jesus, until it's, like, an awkward or weird situation, it's just, like, theoretically, hey, we're talking about this thing. Oh, I feel good about that. That's what Jesus teaches me about this. And then you get in a panic situation. You know, okay, am I going to trust the gas in my mouth or am I going to trust that God's got me and maybe I'll let him fire I'll, I'll be on fire and he'll have me then and <laughs> it was like this weird thing that I didn't think about but he was like that was really deep for me man I was like oh, <laughs> cool <laughs> um, 
uh, barrier for me, um, I think just time. Uh, yeah, I mean, young kids, stage of life or whatever. I mean, there's always something that we can be busy, stuff that we can be busy with. Um, but I think, like, for me in particular, I want I want to meet with lots of people. And I've been in seasons, and my wife knows this, <laughs> where I'm meeting with, like, people monthly. So there's, like, four people I'm meeting with, like, on a Tuesday night. And then Tuesday during the day, I'm meeting with, like, someone every single week or a couple people every single week. And then Thursday, I was... And it was just, like, so many people. And so um, a barrier that that uh, we all have and that you hit at some point is just time. And that changes based on, like, your season of life and just what you have going on and all those things. And so um, for me, a way that uh, – one of the ways I've, I've tried to overcome that um, is looking at the sphere of people that I'm around. And there might be folks that, gosh, I, I really want to meet with that guy. Um, really want to spend time with him, but, like, at the end of the day, like, I, I just don't think I have the capacity, like, to, to really love that person well, and so I, I just think, I think having fellowship with the person that, you, the people that you're discipling is so important to have a relationship with them, um, to love them and care about them. I mean, we can, like, we ought to be, like Ruthie said, like, the word ought to center what we are learning about the Lord and ourselves, but, um, man, like, the, that friendship, that relationship is what mediates that opportunity to be vulnerable and share. And so if I feel, like, totally stretched thin, like I have nothing else to give, then, man, I, I just can't, I can't do that. It's not going to be good for them. It's not going to be good for me. And so for me, it's, okay, who is, who is in my circle of folks um, right now that I, can, that I can invite in and pour myself into um, to where I, I might see them on a regular basis so that I, I do have fellowship with them and I can also like invest in them maybe outside of that a little bit as well. Um, yeah, so that's a, a real barrier for me. Anything to add? I would just say uh, a huge barrier for me has been, and I'm looking around the room and I think clearly I'm the oldest person here, which is weird, you guys. <laughs> I don't know how you get to this point, but here I am. We're just a, <coughs> this is a really young church. That's why. Okay. Um, Ruthie's 35. Yeah. Um, so I, is it weird that you can be the oldest person in the room and still feel like the most inadequate one? That's a real thing. Um, so just that feeling of inadequacy. And as I, um, I brought up Timothy already, I feel like, was in the same spot, you know? Um, so to have somebody come alongside you and encourage you, that is huge. Um, and to be utterly frank, I have never had an older person come to me and um, ask to spend time with me, that kind of a relationship. So that's a sad thing about the, uh, the state of maybe my church or the people I know or whatever. Um, but it's also, um, it sends you back to the word. That's my fellowship sometimes. And for a long period of time, that's where I grow. Where, that's where I grew. Um, books. You can be discipled by people who no longer walk this earth. Um, just to be studying and um, to know their personality. So, I won't go on, but. It doesn't always have to follow the same um, thing that you see going on. Sometimes it's being at home with piles of books and just getting to know these people. 
and gleaning from their lives. Thank you, and thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that. I know you're not the only person that feels the inadequacy piece, and maybe there's other words, but I, I genuinely think that is one of the biggest barriers, and I think that's why people don't do this more is because we all feel like we have nothing to offer or what happens when I look like an idiot or don't come prepared or whatever. So thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that. Um, I'm not going in order in case those of you that printed out your questions, because I'm going to skip ahead. I think it's related. If you feel like it's the same answer, then... <laughs> You don't have to answer it, but um, I think it's important to talk about what discipleship has cost you, and I think that could be a different answer. If it's not, that's okay. Um, but a couple of you touched on the fact that you know time is a real barrier. We're not, gosh, as much. I'm like trying so hard to swallow the fact that I have limits. <laughs> I want to be limitless in so many ways, which is just me wanting to take the place of God. So something I'm trying to repent of myself. But um, discipleship. Most of us don't just have endless amounts of time or energy or whatever it is, and we all have other people in our lives. And so I think it's safe to say that in order to pursue discipleship, we will have to, we, it will cost us something, whether that's an internal thing or an external thing. And that, um, I think I have on our question, what have you said no to in order to say yes to discipleship? So that's kind of what I want you guys to talk about for a minute, if you're willing to be vulnerable with that answer. Um, something you said no to in order that you could say yes to disciple somebody or something that has cost you personally and that you've willingly given up for it. I feel like that um, going off of the inadequacy, like being in a really, if you say we're going to be about following Jesus in every part of life together, I want to invite you into my life and we're going to walk alongside each other. That means that, like, they do that. <laughs> you know, like, they show up when you're like, oh, you're here. <laughs> like, Erica's come home to work to see one of my girls, like, asleep on our couch. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know she was here. Sorry. So just that, like, that not just inadequacy in leading you spiritually, but, like, you're going to see what my house looks like when I'm not planning on having people over or you're going to see us argue and because it happens once in a while. <laughs> um, or just that, like, you know, like I've, I've seen, <laughs> I've watched, like, girls eat stuff out of my fridge and thinking, like, that's my lunch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that's literally the last piece of food I have. <laughs> you're taking it. But, um... I don't say that. I'm like, sure, you can have it. But just that you're sacrificing, like, you're, yeah, feeling inadequate, not just in, like, I'm not always as prepared as I would like to be, or I wish I had the answer to give you for this super difficult question, or, like, I wish that I could just answer or point you to the right scripture or, you know, feel like I'm wise, but that doesn't happen all the time and and I think not just the inadequacy of not knowing what to say or not knowing how to lead well but also just that like when you're in a relationship that is open they see like all your junk which is great because that opens you to be able to to be honest about your sin and the way you walk through like this is what it looks like for me to confess to say like hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have, you know, if they saw me say something to Eric, like, apologizing to him, apologizing to them, confessing that, like, what I said was 
wrong, that's all great things that people should, we should model, but it also is pretty vulnerable, so. Yeah, n- nothing is sacred <laughs> when you're like, when you're inviting someone into your life. Um, if, if discipleship is not just like transferring information and downloading knowledge into someone's brain, but transferring a way of life to someone else, then like, gosh, we're inviting Jesus into every dark, weird corner that we don't want him to go into. And so if we're trying to do that with each other and, and follow Jesus together in that, we're letting folks into all those corners as well. Um, yeah, and so, you know, we I, I pick up Andy Simpson before community group every single week, and he comes home with me, uh, and I get home at, like, 5.15, 5.30, when, like, we're trying to rush to get the <laughs> the kids fed and clean up the house so it doesn't look like a total disaster when people come over and all kinds of stuff. And so, like, that's just a very raw time for uh, our family. And that for moment. his and wife. So that is a raw time for his wife. <laughs> for all of us, right? Uh, so... Yeah, that's just, but that's a that's a real thing, um, and and yet I don't think we're afraid of doing that. Like, lay it on the table, you know. That's that's who we are in this moment, and the house isn't going to be clean, and that's okay, right? It having people over for lunch and it's peanut butter and jelly, that's okay too, you know. It is what it is. Um, in terms of like cost, uh, for me personally, it's um, I think it it costs me like emotional um, energy, like it it exhausts me. <laughs> Uh, and and taps me out, and so the cost is something I bear, but it's also a, a cost to my family, um, as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and those, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, sometimes I come home elated and excited and all those things, and but lots of times that you don't you don't have like an epiphany, you know, uh, in those weekly get-togethers or whatever, it, you're pouring yourself out, and so I can just be drained, you know, when I walk in the door at the end of the day. Um, yeah, and, and there's stuff spinning in my head, and I'm not the best at processing out loud in the moment with stuff. And so, uh, yeah, and so there is a cost to that relationally. Um, but I think that's where, like, it becomes all the more important for for us as a family to be open and vulnerable um, about just where we're at and what I'm processing and all that stuff. But then for me, like, to come back to what Kelly said at the beginning, to abide in the Lord. You know, like, I can't just keep pouring myself out and doing that over and over and over again and just expecting to be able to do that endlessly if I'm not actually having fellowship with Jesus myself, if he's not my life. Um, and so, yeah, that's where the word comes into play. That's where my wife, who speaks truth and life into me, is so important and other men. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but, th- but that's a real cost. Uh, it's a real effect of pouring your life out is that you're, at least for me, that ends up affecting my other relationships and capacity to be present sometimes the way I want to be. So, Good. Anything to add anywhere else? Kelly, amens that. <laughs> and I think that's important to talk about because none of us are pretending like this is something that is easy or light or, you know, I think we should just be honest and real about the fact that like most relationships that go anywhere, discipleship is going to cost us. But God says that not only is it worth the cost, but that's, I think Scott said at some point, this is what we're here to do. So I don't think it'd be fair of me to ask you all to talk about what discipleship has cost you personally without also letting you speak to what you have gained from it. And so um, I think that was one of my questions. I'm trying not to spring stuff on you guys, but sometimes I do that. Um, I think it's in here. So like what something that you have gained from <laughs> discipleship or maybe learned from it, but I really want to know like what has been the thing that you would never, that you would go through all the costs in the world that you wouldn't trade. And it could be with a person or maybe just something that the Lord has taught you through your pouring yourself out to other people that has just been gold. 
or maybe that's too high of a of mark. Doesn't have to be gold. Silver. Just something that helpful that you something good. I don't know if this was on their list. Sorry. <laughs> Scott prepared. Guys, they're in a fight. They're in a fight right now. <laughs> so, I, uh, there's this test called an Enneagram. Maybe you've heard of it. And I'm a, I didn't bring it up. Let the record show. I'm a seven and Beth is a six. And so it's like we're together, we're a balloon. I'm the, I'm trying to go and she's the string and like pretty lame separately. I mean, arguably, but whatever. <laughs> so when we were, uh, she's just like, she just goes all the time. So Mason showed up and he showed up on a Friday and Monday she's like, all right, I'm going to go to club. And, I was, and we didn't talked about it. Like she was, she's like, I'm not slowing down. Like, what are you talking about? I was like, babe, can we just take like a week and think about this? And so she's just like, no, I mean, I mean, I had them all day. You can have them for a couple hours with the girls. This will be fine. And I had like emotional breakdown, whatever. <laughs> all to say, like the past 10 years with her has been incredible. But early on, we were brand new married, like got off the plane from our honeymoon and went to Young Life Camp. And it, like, I'm telling you, she just pulls me along like she is okay where am I going with this <laughs> we were so exhausted our first couple years of marriage um, leading young life teaching both coaching sports uh, and we had something like six nights a week it was crazy I would never recommend it and we got really exhausted and we're like close to being burnout and um, I remember we were like kind of sulking in that like it was like woe is me this is really hard and um, the first kid that I ever met at New Miami where we were doing Young Life, he died in a car wreck. And he, uh, they're talking at his funeral, and he had met Jesus like years later. Um, after he graduated, he met Jesus. And we're at his funeral, and at this point are pretty tired. Like, it was like days before we talked about what are we doing. Like, this is... This is exhausting. Uh, and then we're at the funeral, and we're looking around, and God just, every single kid there that had gone to that high school had heard the gospel at Young Life Club at least once. And we're, like, standing there looking around. We're like, oh, my gosh. Like, what an incredible moment to, you know, like, the gain. Like, are you kidding me? I mean... That's it. Um, I would just talk about just the joy of, um, again, my age comes into play, but the longer your life has been invested with others and to see them um, grow and, you know, to start with kids when they're, um, junior high, and then they go into high school, and now I, I'm seeing these kids are married, and now they have children of their own, and um, they're bringing their children to church, and, you know, at the same time, you've seen 
um, older saints who have who have gone on to heaven. Um, just to see the whole, um, all these different lives touched, and to see that it's like this complete kind of story. It's mind-blowing, and that this has been going on for years and years and years, and God has been at work through every generation, and we're invited to be part of that, you know, and so part of the hard part is, yeah, I feel inadequate, but I'm doing it, you know, do it, it's so good. Yeah, so I've never, I gotta talk about Ruthie for a second. I wish you would disciple me. Um, and so instead, you meet with Beth, and I meet with your husband, which is great. I've never seen Ruthie. This is real. I don't know if you know this, that I know this. We were in that small group for a while. I've never seen you read the Bible without crying, ever, ever, ever. And so a gain for me is when Beth calls me and says, I got to meet with Ruthie today. Here's what happened. And... In this room, like, thinking about you guys, even little conversations we had, uh, the game, like, you just hit it. I mean, you know, this has been going on for a long time. We're just all trying to sharpen each other and just survive to prepare each other for forever. I'm just really glad you're my bro. You're here. That's good. Yeah, yeah um, for me... Um, yeah, I mean, inadequacy, feeling all of that, like, what the heck am I doing with this person, these people, or whatever, and it, it presses me. Um, I think if, if we're trying to do it faithfully and give a rip, like, should press all of us to depend on the Spirit <laughs> to do something. And, like, something I've learned, um, man, I want to I give people the answers. I want them to get it. I want them to grow. Like, I, I see what they need, what they want. I think I do. Um, and want them to just go for it. You know what I mean? Um, but that's not the way that people learn to follow Jesus, um, is by just telling them what to do and hammering it in their heads. Um, and so, like, cultivating in someone else a dependence on Jesus by, by like, listening to his word and reading and studying it by trying to figure out what the Spirit is leading you to, like, doing those things is tough because you can't do that for someone else. And so, um, having conversations with people, um, you know, like that are in like two different people that I met with when I, when I first started meeting with them, um, just in the throes of like doubt and kind of throwing away (laughs) everything they knew about Jesus. And can we even trust the Bible? And can we, and so like, okay, now I guess I'm an apologist, (laughs) right? Trying to teach them all this stuff and answer all these really tough questions. And, some people have, yeah, daddy issues and are trying to figure out what's going on in their heart. Like, you just, you just feel inadequate all the time. Um, and, and part of that is an absolute lie, like, that, that you are inadequate and so therefore you shouldn't do it. Part of that's true, is that you are not adequate to change people's hearts and to change their minds. That's the Spirit's job, is the renewal of the mind and the changing of the heart. And so, like, that's who we get to lean on and we get to, to learn what his voice sounds like by going to the Word. Um, over and over again. And so just for me, learning that I need to depend on the Spirit to work in those people's lives, and then that also reminds me, ah, I need to do that for my own as well. Um, 
and then the other gain is like what, what's been said, just the people, you know, and so like meeting with those guys who were in the throes of whatever and then baptizing them last year, one of them, um, was like one of the greatest moments of my life as a Christian so far. Um, and just conversations like, hey, you know, we met for like a year you know, back then, like, like that was one of the greatest things in my life and that, that changed the course of whatever. And um, you don't do it for the, like it's not the makes you feel good about yourself. It's like God was on the move. You know, and he took that 12 months when I thought I was doing nothing, right? And for whatever reason, that was like bringing life, and, and God used that. Um, and, and so even though you're in the midst of stuff and it might feel like you don't know if what you're doing matters, like you're, you're being faithful and calling people back to this, and it does make a difference. And you, you slowly get to see that over years, not necessarily days and weeks, but over years. So there's a gain there. I think part of what you said that stuck with me was in discipleship like part of that inadequacy is is from this idea that we have to like take our knowledge and impart it to someone else when really it should be like I just want to um to like I want to love and know the Lord and I hope that in our time together you see what it what that's like and you have a desire to know and love the Lord more and and seeing that like stimulation of they want to have like a profound love for Christ and then seeing that grow and build and now like you know I started with these freshmen and now all of them are talking about like where they feel the Lord taking them as they're graduating college and starting jobs or you know they're all doing different things and just thinking of like that scattering like we've spent so much time together just like building and growing and talking about hard things and working through you know lots of tough stuff but also just building this like love for Christ and love for the word and now they have that and are like going out that to me has been so exciting to like just now to be thinking about where they're gonna go and how they're gonna impact wherever they end up is like it's been really such a gift to like watch that whole process and I can't wait for like a year from now to hear you know what that's been like so it's great. I'm so happy right now hope you guys are too it's good I promise you we talk about logistics <laughs> I'm just so happy um <laughs> so let's talk about some logistics these could be short answers they don't have to be but uh how do you decide who to pursue period how do you decide who question mark how do you decide who to pursue Or just give us, how have you? Think of someone in the past that didn't ask you, but if you asked them, how did you pick them? Uh, I mean, three things, and and this is keeping in mind that um, you just have to say no to some people, and you have to be mindful of your time and resources. But, I mean, one is, is the spirit putting someone on your heart. Like, are you noticing someone, like, on a regular basis, like, when you're hanging out here on Sundays or other times? Like, is there someone at work or someone at school or whatever and you're thinking like for whatever reason God's like bringing them to mind all the time um that might be someone to consider the other is if someone's like wanting to meet up with someone or directly asks you like that's kind of an obvious one <laughs> uh, to, to at least consider <laughs> low-hanging fruit and the other is just opportunity um you know uh so like um for example 
uh, so I got uh, the, the Lord saved me through crew uh, Campus Crusade for Christ at on the, the Oxford campus at Miami um, and so I just have a heart for that particular ministry and college ministry in general um, and so I was like oh, I wonder what's going on here at Hamilton's campus and so I just emailed um, you know they have a, a little crew chapter here and uh, Evan Jelly some of you guys know him or whatever he plays keyboard up here um, several months later <laughs> emailed me back uh, I was like yeah let's get together sometime or whatever and so hung out and just desiring to know what's going on and come to find out like they have zero resources and like the staff doesn't really do anything for them on that campus. And so I'm like, I would love to hang out with you if you want to help like leadership stuff or just check in and see how you're doing all that. And so that turned into like one of the relationships of, I don't know where I'm at and what's going on and uh, with my faith and all those things. And and now like we, we got to baptize him and, um, and leading him through, like, coaching him through leadership stuff and what's it look like to hand the baton over to new... So it was like, just, there's an opportunity there for me to step in that I I was interested in. And so I think, yeah, if the Lord's bringing something to mind, uh, someone to mind in particular, if someone is coming up to you or asking you there's a need, or if there's, like, an opportunity in particular that you think, ah, I could, I could do something there, um, that doesn't mean you automatically go for it, um, but those are things to be mindful of. I'm just thinking of, um, I was, I was very drawn to, um, it was a new friend that I met. Um, she and her husband and her new baby at the time were at our house with some other people. And I just was, I don't know, there was just this attraction. I just thought, I'd just love to get to know her. Um, a little while later, she asked if, if I would mentor her. And so I was thrilled because I thought the Lord must be stirring us both Um, to spend time together. So we did, and I love her. I loved her at the time. The more time I spent with her, the more I realized opposites attract, and we are so different. And can I tell you, she drives me crazy. And I love her, but she's so different than me. How could we, you know, we're just really so different. And you might find that, um, that you couldn't, like, I don't know. I just believe that sometimes the Lord will hook you up with somebody to stretch you. And the whole lesson in it for me was, I don't like, have to like everything that she does and how she runs a home and the things that she does that I would never do or whatever. And I won't go into detail because that's not the point of it. The point was he just lets us love people who don't look anything like we do, you know? Um, and I do, I just love her. And she she could drive me crazy just the way she's different than me, you know? And you know what? I bet I drive her crazy too. <laughs> but we love each other, and that's the beauty of it, that we're called to bear with one another in love. And for that time, I, I truly believe that was the lesson in it. Any other thoughts for that one? Something brewing over there. All right, we'll come back to it if you do. <laughs> so my next question, maybe as a follow-up, have you ever asked someone to meet with you and been told no? What was the other piece of that? Um, or have you had to tell somebody no? Either one of those. Tell us about it. <sighs> So this was more of like uh, a 
you know, it's usually kind of like one person's pouring into the other a bit more than that. But this was more of like a mutual friend. Like, the, it was just mutual. And he, gosh, I was 20, I was 25 or 26, and he came over. Um, this is Kurt Fielden. Do you guys know Kurt? You know Kurt. Do you know Kurt Fielden? Yeah, you know Kurt. Yeah, he was your teacher. So Kurt, he currently uh, leads worship at Red Door. He's a teacher. He came over to my house one day, and uh, we, for like years, a guy named Mark, Kurt, and I, we almost every Friday, uh, like without a doubt, would go to Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins on Route Four, right by the high school. Is while I was teaching, and like for whatever reason, you knew it was Friday. It was easy to get up. One of Someone's going to pay for someone else's coffee, like have all his energy, whatever. Kurt comes over, and I'm 26, and he like, he said, I really need to talk to you. And I was like, oh, man, what happened? And he sits me on the porch, and he says, Adam, I think I've realized you're a really bad friend. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I just think, like, you've kind of reached this friendship level here, and I, like, want us to be friends here, and, like, I, you're just not showing up. Like, I, I know this doesn't sound right, but, like, I don't think you realize how inadequate this friendship is compared to what it could be. And I just really want you to think about that. And I was like, that is so mean. (laughs) Uh, And he probably doesn't even remember having the conversation. He was like, all right, buddy, see you Friday. (laughs) But that was really hard, and it was really good to be like, man. Um, And I know this isn't exactly what you wanted. But to now, when I am meeting with a guy that's maybe 20 and can't see past his nose sometimes, to be like, okay, this is how friendship works. When I (laughs) blah, 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 you blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Or yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. It's really hard to be told you're not a really good friend. But it was like the best, one of the best things I've ever heard. Now, yeah. Um, I have been told no and told people no. <laughs> Lots of rejection. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Well, really, I was told like it was more a conversation of like it can't be super consistent. But when you need some, like when you need someone to talk to, I would love to be the person you go to and um that worked for us because we were in the same community I mean she was older than me but we had a relationship and so when we met it was for a specific purpose of talking about what I was struggling with or needed guidance on and so that worked I don't know if that would really work with like any person but in that situation it did and I have said no twice one um, was just, I don't have the capacity, but I tried to, I think I gave her some other people that I was like, but this person I think does have the capacity and probably is a little, would be a better fit for what you're kind of like wanting to talk through. So that one worked out. I think that softened the blow, <laughs> or at least was helpful, you know, to like offer a different suggestion and then the other one and this is kind of something that I do with any if someone asks me I kind of start by saying like if you're take like I will I would love to meet with you 
But if, if, if this is something you want for your spiritual growth to meet with someone else, then, like, you have to prioritize it. I'm not going to hunt you down and text you 20, like, learn how to be a good friend, you know? Like, this is our time. You tell me when works for you, and I'll try to be flexible, you know? And, of course, there's weeks where things come up, and there's grace. But also, I think it's important to set the expectation of, like, if this is important to you, then you have to prioritize it. Because it's not my job to be in control of of your growth, if that's something that matters to you, then make it a priority. So that was something, like, I'd had that conversation at the beginning. We had had it probably, like, a year in, and then things had really started to kind of slip, and I had to say, like, hey, you know, I'm taking a lot of time to try to prepare, and it seems like you're, you're like, canceling at the last minute or just not being super, you know thoughtful I guess as far as like if I'm going to invest time then I want it to feel like it's a priority for you and I and I say that and then think if someone's in a a hard season of life where they need someone to initiate more obviously you do that (laughs) but that wasn't really the situation so that was kind of the conversation of like I don't really think this is working out because it doesn't seem like it's a priority for you anymore which is fine but I'm not going to make it my priority if you're not going to make it your priority. Um, It's not a bad thing to say no. Uh, If you don't have it to give, then say say no. Don't say yes. So saying no is not always a a bad thing. It can be a really good and healthy thing, especially if if it is someone that's wanting to be discipled and you don't have the capacity for that, say no. But I would love to help find someone who, you know, help you connect with someone else. Like, that is a, that's a beautiful thing, because it's selfish to want to, like, always take everyone who's knocking at your door if someone is, and not just from, from their perspective that it's not going to be good for them, but also, like, there's probably other people that have capacity to do that, and so, like, you're actually limiting the ability for other people in the church to disciple um, and have that experience with someone else if you just kind of hoard it all. <laughs> so share um, and, and, and make those connections in that way. And I, I've, I've never been told no, but I've been ignored. Um, <laughs> in crew for, for like, I was, well, I was part of crew really for four years um, at Miami, uh, was never discipled um, at all during my time there, even though I filled out the little card and said so. And I got a call. It's like the last week of my senior year from one of the directors that was there. I was like, uh, his name was Scott too or whatever. I just want to apologize and say, sorry, like, man, I, like, we never really connected you with anybody, never followed up on stuff. And I, like, so left me a voicemail, like apologizing, which meant a lot because could have just said nothing. And so that meant a lot, but it also was like equally hurtful. (laughs) So it's like, I thought maybe you just lost my cards or (laughs) forgot, but like, and so like saying no can doesn't have to be like the closing of a door and that's it. It can be the opening of another or you can redirect or whatever. But like if if you're just ignoring people or if the again the spirit's putting someone on your heart and you're just ignoring that or there's an opportunity you're ignoring that, um, man, that just that really stinks. Um, it really hurts. And so yeah, there's another there's a third thing there too, the ignoring piece that that matters. So true. 
All right, I have three minutes, and then we're going to take some questions. But we had some questions submitted. It's really just by two people that asked really good questions um, at The Last Rooted and then via Instagram. Thank you, Angie Chicken. So I want to get to at least some of those. Um, <laughs> so what are some solid questions? This was from Lindsay Heinley at our Last Rooted. What are some solid questions that you've planned for your time with someone? Do you guys have, like, go-to questions maybe when you first meet somebody? I know you said you ask them kind of their story or their testimony, Katie. Anything else? Kind of get started. If not, it's okay. I have lots more questions. I always so you have I always finish. Well, lastly, I pray. <laughs> Hopefully, I remember most of the time. <laughs> but I always finish by saying, "Is there anything I didn't ask you that you want or need to tell me?" So. And that I'm like, there's no excuse. <laughs> I asked you for anything. <laughs> so if you're hiding, you know, I open the door. You have to walk through it. But I feel like that as the person, sometimes you get off on tangents or just get off topic. And I don't want to, like, if there's something that you really wanted to talk about that you're kind of anxious to bring up, I just want to, I feel like that's been a good way of just saying, like, if I forgot, please, like, let's talk or about it. I didn't know to ask. Yeah, yeah that's good. before you go. Yeah. So that's a good one. So uh, Jeff Vanderstelt actually said it. If you listen to that first episode of the whatever part series we're listening to, in that we all hear stuff through, you know, I have a certain set of earphones and a certain microphone that I speak through. And however I say something to you, you're hearing it differently than everybody else. And I think a huge part of that is like just people's stories between your mom, your dad, or your lack of mom and dad. Everyone has a lack of mom and dad to some degree. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Your siblings, big things that's happened in your life, what consumes most of your thoughts throughout the day. And so for me, it's like I love getting to a point where I can really try to identify someone's earpiece and be like, okay, how are you here? Like when I tell Jake that God loves him, but he's never hugged his dad, you know what I mean? Like we need to work through that. Uh, one of my favorite questions to ask, especially early on, is just like, what do you want to talk about? Because what a great weird icebreaker. Of like, I mean, whatever. What do you want to talk about? Yeah. And I would say, if it just ends up being a talk session again, what did that do for us? Because you can pay a counselor, you know. If what they're sharing with you is not, like, for your mind to be engaged in listening and thinking, you know, Lord, um, give me your word so that I can give them your word. Um, you, If you can't put truth on it, then pray about it. But don't just spend the time talking, you know? There's way too much talking. And, and we, we've got to be able to apply the truth as a balm on the hurts that we have. Um, and and help lead people to healing and wholeness and fullness so that they can go do that for another. To that end, like, man, evangelizing is discipling. Um, we don't grow beyond our need to hear good news. And so 
the balm is sometimes just remember reminding people of who Jesus is and what he did for you and who you are in Christ and to, to remind them of that truth. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, sometimes we separate those things out and don't think, think it's awkward to like share the gospel or share the good news with someone who you know is already a believer. But sometimes like we, we all forget that every day and throughout the week um, about what that good news is. We root ourselves back into an identity that's based on what we do or who someone else thinks we are um, and our capacity or whatever. Uh, and so we need to be reminded of, of that. Um, yeah, and so sometimes it's it's like maybe it's not a question. Maybe what they need is to, maybe they need a listening ear, but then for you, you get to offer good news to them. That's who we are. <laughs> We're evangelists. Um, and so, I mean, questions for uh, that I I don't necessarily like ask these in the same way, but I think so what is a good question because um, you can read about whatever, talk about whatever. Um, but so what? <laughs> like how are, how is how does the Lord impact you in that way? How does that truth shape your life right now? What are you going to do with that? Um, that that makes them own it and it presses them forward. It's not satisfied without something being different or something changing. And, and maybe that is like what Adam said earlier, like realizing that the Lord loves you the way that you are. <laughs> um, or maybe that's like like you're in sin and you need to repent of that. Um, could be a million different things, but it, it does, it, it takes what we're learning up here or talking about up here and, and translates that into, okay, way of life. How does this impact the way that I live? Um, so that's a thing. I think also like sometimes that if it's like a one-on-one thing or even like a small group thing, we can kind of in our conversations make it about what works for us or whatever and we forget that like we're part of a broader community and so um, having to remind you know ask the question you think that works for you how well does that does that work for your wife <laughs> does that work for the people in your community group does that work for the people that you work with um, because you might think that's the answer and that's an adequate okay because you're being obedient or whatever here but like is that actually demonstrating love is that good for the people that are around you because that that is the, the, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. Um, and so sometimes we need to, to zoom out and see that scope too. And then, yeah, just the Lord and how do we know? Like, so if, if we think that something is true about God or that he would have us go this way, like, how do you, how do you know that? How do you know that that's true? Because if, if we can say whatever the Lord says in our head, like we can make up whatever, but we have to root it back into the word of God. Um, and so if, if you can't come back to that place and, get that from there then like you really sure that that's true so yeah those are a few things that in the course of conversation um helpful to bring up that's good thank you um so angie asked some really good questions one was if i'm looking to be discipled how would i go about it i got it thanks thank you If, so if, someone's look, if someone is looking to be discipled, do you have any helpful information or advice on how they would go about finding someone to disciple them? They want to be discipled by somebody. I think I've I've definitely been in a season where that's something I've wanted, and there hasn't been an obvious like like I wanted that, but it didn't seem like there was anyone available or willing. So obviously, like I would start with prayer, you know, like asking that. Um, the Lord would make it clear maybe like who um, and and I do feel like in a lot of situations it's those relationships for me have started 
in like mutual like oh like they've been on my heart and mind I've been on their heart and mind and we kind of are both thinking about it at the same time of course it doesn't have to happen like that but um, maybe like praying for people to come to mind that um, you know might be a good fit and then just I don't think you have anything to lose. The worst someone would say was no. So just ask. I mean, you have nothing to lose. Is there someone that you want to be like or that you want to learn from? I mean, that's just, and if there's no one around, I mean, I I long for that older as well, and it's tough in our church to look around. Okay, who is that? Um, Don't negate the the power also though of just like peer-to-peer discipleship as well um it it doesn't it may not fill that gap maybe that you're specifically looking for but um at the same time like gosh like you can learn a ton from each other because if you're pursuing after the same jesus with the same word and the same spirit um there may may not be the same level of experience or wisdom uh maybe at the table and yet like you can still learn and grow through that so don't discount those peer-to-peer relationships as well yeah, those are good. Um, this is my favorite question on the whole list, so thanks, Angie Dickin. How would you address a lack of teachability in a discipleship relationship? And I think it's my favorite because I'm pretty sure I've been that person. Maybe I still am. So if you are meeting with someone and you are realizing that they are willing to, <laughs> to meet with you, but it's they... It's a different Angie Dickin. <laughs> sorry. I shouldn't have this done that. Angie Dickens. supposed to be uh, anonymous. Um... Yeah, so they're not teachable, or you are noticing a lack of teachability. What do you do with that? Has anyone had to address that in real life? That's not easy. <laughs> you want to tell us about it? <laughs> uh, the first thing is, like, you got to do a heart check. Um, because sometimes I think that someone's not teachable, but really, I, I just want them to do things the way that I want them to do it. Uh, and, and that's super selfish. <laughs> uh, because we have, even though we have the same word, like the word makes room for different levels of liberty and conscience and all sorts of things. And so, gosh, what faithfulness looks like in one person might look a little bit different in that family or in that person or whatever. And so um, the way that faithfulness is expressed might might take different forms and the, the people that you're meeting with they might come to different conclusions uh about things or it's not happening you don't see the maturity or the light bulb coming on as quickly as you want them to and and really it's more about well this is really uncomfortable and awkward for me because i want you to get it and so it's more about like you think they're not teachable but really you're just wanting to rush into things a little bit um and so that's a that's a heart check for me that i've had to do whenever i feel that um, but, but when it is truly like you're just not being teachable, uh, I, I think we just get to say that sometimes to that person. That's the most loving thing that you can say is like, this is what I've, what I'm observing in your life. And if you know that person, like you've, you have been walking with that person for a bit, then hopefully you can connect some dots and you can paint a picture of what their life looks like. And man, this is this is what we've talked about for so long. This is what the Lord seems to say. This is what your life reflects. This is what you've said. Um, and and yet, like, this is where we're at. Like, what do, what do you think about that? Do you think this is what the Lord would have for you right now? Um, and so, kind of, 
bringing them to that pressure point again of like, what, what is, what does this say about you or your heart? Um, so that can be a really tough conversation to say uh, or to have with people, but honestly, like whenever I've had to have those 98% of the time they are received with love. Um, and those conversations are actually the ones that build up trust over time because that person knows that you're not going to just put stuff under the rug. Um, you're not going to just blow smoke, but, um, you're going to speak with love truthfully, um, to them. So yeah, I think we just get to connect the dots and, and make observations, but ask them to make those observations about their life as well. Yeah, I think, well, one of the questions you had asked was about like persevering in a, um, discipleship relationship. And I think that, um, it can just be so disheartening to see someone that you love so much, like stuck in a pattern of sin. And you just want to like shake the person and be like, stop. Like, I see this so clearly. Why can't you see it? And I, at least that's how I feel. And I do think that it can be easy to feel impatient um, or to, like, it's uncomfortable and hard to to watch that. And so you want to, like, get out. (laughs) But I think what we get to do is to, like, step into that, to lovingly say, this is your sin, you know, like, this is where I've seen it. And to remind that person that, like, they are the Lord's and where they are right now is not where he's going to leave them. Like, he will bring them through that. Um, He's going to finish the work that he started in them. Um, And that, like, they are, like, once he has sealed them and chosen them, that he will sanctify them. And and encouraging, like, I'll walk with you through this, um, but also, like, call sin what it is, you know, like, this is sin in your life. So that, I mean, yeah. I feel like I've left a lot of conversations and come home to Eric and been like, oh, like it, we're not getting anywhere. And and then I think, I, how many times have other people said that about me? <laughs> so, yeah, but I think it can be super disheartening. But also you get to, like, gospel people over and over and over of, like, Let's remember the foundation of, like, you are God's. He's chosen you as his own, and where you are right now is not where you will always be. But also, like, repent of this sin and turn from it. Call it what it is. Yeah. Anything anybody wants to add to that? I'll say something. So, uh, I don't know the reference, but I know it was Paul. He said, Ruthie will tell me in a second. So, Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God gives growth. You know, so often we're trying to, like, get people good at behavior stuff like you were talking about. Um, In particular, I mean, I only know guys, so I'm saying particular, but it's probably not true. Like, we try to set up these things where we don't need Jesus to be the hero. We don't need him. It's like, man, I just got to stop doing this thing, and that'll be it. And it's like, no, dude, you need to worship Jesus. And um, totally telling him the truth and, like, getting to that part. Like, when I look at it, I kind of see it's like the person who you want. um, When they really get the gospel for the first time, there's this really simple way of thinking about it. 
uh, goes in their head and in their heart, and then when, when it's real, it comes out of their wallet. You ever heard that, head, heart, wallet? So when I think about someone that needs, like, when there's something really bad going on, I'm like, okay, I need to get in their head, and then I need to get in their heart. And, and I, like, try to, I follow that thing. And the waters or plants part is, like, it can be so agonizing and, like, frustrating. But at the end of the day, we can do two things. We can go, and we can pray for them. Like, it's really nothing else. We're just influenced, you know what I mean? We got, we got a plant, we got a water, but at the end of the day, God's got to get them to grow. God's got to get them to change. And that can be really encouraging when someone's being really dumb to be like, oh, yeah, I can just, like, go and pray. Okay, let's go. Um, it's about 8.43, according to my watch. I'm hoping you guys have some questions, maybe based on something you've heard or something that we didn't get to. There's a lot of stuff we didn't get to. Does anyone have a question that they would like to ask, either the entire panel or someone specifically on the panel? I'm excited to use the wireless mic, so don't make me stand here too long. I know. I have more from you I can get to. Uh-huh. Anyone? All right, well, you think about it. I have more on my list. Um, should we pursue all discipleship relationships, or are there boundaries? I'm not going to ask Ruthie to disciple me for real. You know, there's a boundary there. <laughs> right? I mean, that's. I think that's legitimate. It's like that I... I think about my daughter or my wife wanting to meet with a man one-on-one to talk about Jesus, like, in an, in an intimate level. Like, I'm not, I'm not cool with that. But I do think there are times I've heard where that's been successful. I've not experienced that. I mean, I think it could be tricky. I think it's not totally black and white, but for me and mine, at least right now, it's, it kind of is. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, to that end, I, that that would be a, a, I think it's a boundary for me on a regular basis, um, maybe to meet up with another, because there is, like, there is a level of vulnerability and, um, and intimacy with that, that whatever, but at the same time, like, um, yeah, at the same time, just being mindful of the fact that, like, as pastors or whatever, like, we also get to lead and shepherd the women in the church as much as the men. Um, and we have things to learn from the women just as much as we have to learn from men as well. And so I think that's where, um, depending on your comfort level, or like getting to get like a, a community group is a great place to do that or hang out with, you know, different families and stuff like that um, or like grabbing lunch with Grace tomorrow. And, and so like those kinds of like meetups are, are great and good and I come away learning from that. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's boundaries that like, every person and family have to figure out or whatever, but I think there's also much benefit in the church together coming around um, those things too. And so, yeah. So, no, I, I wouldn't disciple anybody and everybody in every circumstance. Um, part of that is, like, what are they needing and wanting? I mean, that's kind of what you said at the be like, so what do you want this to look like? Because um, I might not be the, the guy for you, you know. Maybe there's somebody else that would be better suited to, or maybe you need, maybe what you're wanting is counseling, Um here's what I can offer you. So that's kind of part of what you get to think about too is what, what can I offer to somebody else? Um, but yeah. 
I'm going to keep asking my questions. Raise your hand if you want to interrupt me. Um, what methods or formats have been helpful for you as you've discipled people? I'm not sure exactly what the person meant by this. They are not in the room, but I would imagine like studies that you've done or like if it's a weekly thing or you know anything like that. So any kind of like put in place structure that has been helpful. I mean, just like reading the Bible together is great. <laughs> I mean, that's generally what uh, what I do with folks. Um, we might alternate, like read a, a different book or whatever. But um, yeah, going through chapter at a time or chunk at a time of like went through Ezra and Nehemiah with um, somebody recently, and it, yeah, it, you get to read the scriptures and and together in community and studying that is a really cool thing. So. Um, yeah, just pick a, a book of the Bible. Um, learn about it. You get to teach each other how to study and read, and there are books and resources on that as well that you can learn and grow and like help sharpen and hone your uh, Bible study skills. But um, yeah, reading the scriptures, There's there are a couple of studies. Um, I mean, the Gospel Center Life and Gospel Center Community are two that we've done and offered here on a regular basis um, at the village that we love. Um, they're really good and soaked in scripture, um, but very applicable um, as well to how does the gospel really change your life or your relationships um, with other people. Um, so that's been good. Yeah, um, like I said earlier, it's, it's usually been a combination for me of, of time spent, life on life, but but also like some kind of book or content that we are digesting together. Yeah, I think that's been similar, having, it's not always we're reading through the same thing at the same time, but most most often, I guess it is, and then, um, like, having a balance of, like, talking about that, and then typically we I talk about some of those, like, recurring things that are just good to, like, check in on for that person, and then I think it's huge to just, like, show up for the fixing of cars and other, you know, like, having we had a ton of people come over and help with our house like stuff like that that just you know that that relationship is not just like it extends past just reading the bible together it's also like in real life i'm going to serve and love you because that's what the bible says we should do and i think sometimes just starting out with life like what has happened this week with you and just to talk through that Um, how and when do you end a discipleship relationship? I forgot I was excited about this question. And to, I mean, some people might think that sounds terrible, but the reality is if you live long enough, you can't disciple everybody weekly for the rest of your life, right? So you either pick three people for eternity or if you want to expand your <laughs> ability to, you know, disciple people, you got to end it at some point. You end it on purpose. Um, and that's what, I mean part of my first meetup with somebody will be like, this isn't going to last forever. <laughs> uh, this is going to be, depending on what they want and, and how they're wanting to grow and all that stuff, like, you know, what we're going to be reading or whatever, like six months, nine months, a year, let's do that. And then maybe that doesn't mean that we're done, but let's reevaluate because, man, like, I, we shouldn't be meeting together forever. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should, I don't know, but, but probably not. 
Um, what I would love to do is see someone else join us at some point and or like I would love if you think this is a great time, why don't you in nine months go away and go do that with somebody else? And then I'm going to do that with somebody else. And you keep you keep doing that and you end up multiplying these discipling relationships. And so that's that's what I do on the front end of of every discipling relationship that I have uh, by and large is to, to set that expectation on the front end. Um, it, and it's just it, it is also like. I think I think people value something when they know it's like there's like an endpoint or that there is like a uh, a, a, a reevaluation point um, in some way. If it just goes on indefinitely, like I don't know about you guys, but me and others I interact with tend to kind of be a little bit more nonchalant about it sometimes, and so like it makes you value that time I think even more. So that's yeah, usually ending it on on purpose. But it always makes me sad because I, I don't want that relationship to end. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, remain faithful, you know, to that person. Don't, it's not that now, yeah, we're done. You graduated <laughs> and we're done. It's not a breakup, you know. That's so sad. Yeah. And, I don't know. So can I follow up with that? How, what does that look like for you when you have people that maybe the formal part of your discipleship relationship either is ending or at least changing frequency, but you do, I follow you on Instagram and everybody knows who you are because they've probably been discipled by you in some way, all these women. And so what, how do you continue to remain faithful? What does like practically, what does it look like to remain faithful to these people? Just to continue to love, even if it's, I don't know, a text out of the blue, you just Mm -hmm. remind that person that you love them. You're creative. However you love people, just love them the way the Lord lays it on your heart to love them. Don't don't forget them. And honestly, sometimes I think the Lord just um, causes us to think of a person so that we can act on it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And sometimes we don't. And that's, we should, you know? I'm talking to myself, you guys. <laughs> It, it is a really sweet thing if you've spent a long time with someone on a regular basis and, and maybe you don't meet up anymore, like, to then to then just see them. In a, like, the other day I, I saw somebody in a coffee shop that I used to meet up with for, like, a year um, in the morning before work and, like, sat down and talked to him for the next 90 minutes as if as if we had been meeting all along and we're just picking right up back where we left off, you know. Um, that's, like, a really sweet fruit and, and another gain of discipling is that if you're if you really are going deep um with people and and kind of sharing life in some way then you you will grow fond of each other and know each other and be able to have this relationship that even though you're not hanging out like every single week on this regular basis like gosh you can give a hug have a quick conversation or run into each other in the grocery store and talk for 30 minutes and it'd be like this really beautiful sweet thing you know it's a cool thing So I have one more question for our panel, but I want to end on it. And so before I get to it, I just want to point out a couple of things on your tables. Um, you have one of, I think there's enough for every person. It's got made extra. So there's one of these booklets called Discipleship Basics. And sadly, I can take no credit. Scott created it for the class he taught this past Saturday, and it's just chock full of good information. So I would highly encourage you to take that with you um, and use it. Um, also on the kind of agenda that... Uh, created for today at the bottom there's a section called next steps and one thing that I say to the women at rooted every single month is that my personal worst nightmare is that any of you would show up to a rooted or like something like tonight 
and walk away thinking, oh, that was a really interesting conversation I just got to watch. And that would be the end of it. That's, that's literally my worst nightmare. So my hope and goal every single month is that we meet together and do this, and it's what I said at the beginning, so that we would love Jesus more and that our lives would be transformed by him. So my encouragement to you would be just to think about some of these questions. I'm going to read them just to make sure that you all hear them. Um, am I a disciple of Jesus? How might I follow him more intentionally? Who in my sphere of influence might God want me to intentionally disciple? And what is my next step with that person? What barriers to discipleship do I need to overcome? What cost am I willing to pay in order to obey Christ and participate in the call to make disciples? So you don't have to like write down your answer, but my encouragement would be to think about those things going forward this week. So I want to end on uh, the question that was in the list. It was. I already forgot it. What encouragement do you have to others who are currently discipling or want to pursue discipleship? So I'm going to have anyone that wants to, all of you, if you want to answer that question, and then we'll send you off from there. I'm thinking hard. I can see it brewing. I would just say this. You may not even be um, involved in what you would call a discipleship relationship with someone right now, but you're still discipling, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Jesus didn't have his little day timer with who he's going to meet up with. He just lived his life. And so people that you rub shoulders with or people you talk to on uh, daily, these are people that you are... You're living the word in their life. And so your life is speaking Jesus to them. Hence, you're discipling them, you know? I think that we put a definition on it, and we think, "Mm, I'm not doing it. And then you kind of feel bad about it. You're doing it if you have committed your life to following Christ, and you're loving the people that you are with. I don't care if it's a baby. It says, again, we're talking about Timothy, he knew the gospel from infancy, okay? If you're taking care of a baby, you're discipling that baby. You, you can speak the word. You know, you're pregnant. You're speaking the word to the baby you're carrying. It's, it's just living the gospel. That's discipleship. So you're all doing it. You might want to do it a little more, something different but I don't think we, we can, you can't put it in a box. I think in the same way that we all are discipling, we're all being discipled, like we're all following something. It, like it's up to you whether that's another believer that you respect and admire and want to be like, or like people on your Instagram feed. You know, everybody is following someone's influence. So... Yeah, just being mindful that, like, you're discipling people, but also you're listening to the voices of people that are around you and, you know, who is that? Who are those voices? Um, And just an encouragement of, like, yes, it is, like, there's a healthy burden of, like, caring for someone else and trying to lead them. But also it's as simple as just, like, sharing your life and trying to point people to Jesus, which is, like, 
base level what we should do. So <laughs> I just think it's, you have nothing to lose. I really, I just think everybody should do it more. <laughs> Go discipleship. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's good. Go discipleship. Um, Adam referenced uh, Jeff Vanderstelt earlier, and um, he talks about uh, in the the second video, gospel fluency stuff or whatever. Um, you don't have to convince people to talk about the thing that they are excited about, the stuff that they love. Like you don't have to convince people to do that or give them techniques or. Uh, show them methods or whatever to to do that. If you love something and are passionate about it, just you're going to talk about it. It's going to exude out of your life, and you're going to want to draw people into that and, and tell them all about it. Um, and so, like, I think the the most important thing when it comes to discipleship is you nurturing your own discipleship, is you pursuing after Jesus. And if you're truly doing that and wanting to know Him and be known by him to, to know his love for you and his grace and his forgiveness and his care for you and his daily ministry in your very personal life throughout your entire day. Um, gosh, then like, why would you not want to invite other people into that? Like you are primed to do that. Um, it's when we, I think, disconnect from that and kind of forget that stuff that we become hesitant to like invite people in and, and we think it hinges on us like someone else's relationship with Jesus is hinged on us. Um, and certainly we're called to be evangelists and great commission people and all those things. And so we have to be faithful. Um, but we're faithful to point people not to ourselves. We point people to Christ that lives in us, right? Um, yeah, and so I would just encourage you to, to nurture your own discipleship. Man, and if there are people around you, don't ignore them. Um, pursue after them. And maybe you don't have capacity for like a regular relationship, but my goodness, you are discipling people in your everyday life by what you exude and put out, you know, throughout the day, the words that you say and how you live your life. So, yeah, that's what I would end with. That was really good, what you guys said, and I don't know what to add to it. Can you repeat the question? You said, do you have any encouragement for people that are currently discipling or want to disciple others in their life? So there's this really cool book that Francis Chan put out. Um, I don't remember what it's called. Beth and I went through it, and it was the premise was that like you're preparing. I'm preparing Beth for forever, and she's preparing me for forever. Do you guys know what that's called? Man, so yeah, so I would encourage you. What's going to happen forever, if you think about it, is we are we are our depth is inexhaustible because we're going to be with God forever. We're going to be learning about Him forever. So He's inexhaustible, and we're going to be celebrating up there. And so what I would encourage you is, as you're discipling everybody, including babies, like, and it's kind of really selfish. Like, what do I want? I want to be known and celebrated because I know God knows me, and He made me, and I'm. He looks at me and He sees Jesus, he celebrates, and even when I'm pushing like a dude who's doing stupid stuff to sin less, even like Jeff says, what's the key? Like, we need to worship after when we talk about someone's sin to some degree and say, like, let's praise Jesus for the fact that you're not dead forever because of this. Uh, and so I would encourage you to, amidst all that, like, know that 
every one of us, we want to be known and we want to be celebrated. And out of that, you can sure get right to the big, thick, nasty stuff. Like, you can get into that. Um, so known and celebrated. Yeah. It makes those hard conversations a little bit easier. Yeah. I'm going to make y'all clap. Can you clap for our panelists? Genuinely, thank you guys so much for being here. Uncomfortable or not comfortable or whatever, but we super appreciate it. I felt like this was gold. I hope you guys felt that way too. Thank you guys for being here. You could be a lot of places on a Monday night at this time at night, and you're here, and so thank you for that. Um, And I would just encourage us all that this isn't the end of the conversation, hopefully. So think about this, chew on this, talk with each other, look around the room and find somebody whose face you will remember and talk to them about it later or talk to me or somebody up here. So thank you guys for being here. We're officially done. Thanks to Kylie for doing sound. You killed it.